pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to today's show. Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or EDS, is a genetic disorder of collagen formation. Collagen is the most abundant protein in the body and provides the structure to muscles, ligaments, tendons, and bone. When it isn't formed correctly, weakness and instability occur. Harold Houdini, the famous escape artist, probably had Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. In fact, many with this extreme joint flexibility syndrome can dislocate and relocate their joints at will. EDS causes joint hypermobility, severe muscle, nerve, and joint pain, functional impairment, and the need for medicines and surgery. Unfortunately, it's a lifelong condition with pain as a cardinal feature. We're joined by Maggie Buckley, who shares her experience with joint hypermobility, accompanying pain, and methods of coping with EDS. Ehlers-Danlos expert Dr. Claire Francamano tells us how to best manage this condition and what treatments may someday be a reality. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Maggie Buckley is the past president of the Ehlers-Danlos National Foundation. As a child, she was able to entertain herself and her friends by contorting her limbs and fingers. As she grew older, she began to suffer more and more pain in her joints and muscles. Finally diagnosed with EDS, she had to cope with a growing list of activities to avoid. We'll learn how she made it through adulthood and how she's coping today. Maggie, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. What's your earliest experience with being double-jointed or or effectively having EDS? I knew that I could uh, sit in the living room with my brother and sister and be watching TV or playing games or something, and that my legs are bent in different directions, and my uh, sister would tease me and say, oh, that looks awful. Could you do that with any part of your body? Pretty much, yeah. You know, my arms would bend backwards, Um, my legs would bow back if I was standing up and, you know, my legs wouldn't be straight if I was standing up. Maggie, what could you do that others simply couldn't do? Um, Shake my hands behind my back, uh, you know, one over my shoulder and one coming up from the bottom. Um, It wasn't until my 20s that I understood why people needed a back scratcher. (laughs) I know I could fold all of my fingers on top of one another. That seemed to be amazing to people. Um, 
and I have very long arms, and I could reach things in you know far farther than other people could simply by twisting my body, and it would be almost like my arm would extend. And I could also um, compress myself to hide in a very, very small space. How small? A large suitcase or the toy trunk or, you know, a small spot in the in the back of the closet. I was really good at hide-and-seek. That's incredible. Maggie, when did the dislocations begin? When I was 12, I started having uh, joint instability and a lot of pain associated with growth spurts. And the doctors would say, oh, it's just... Uh, just growing pains. At the time, I can remember just being curled up in the fetal position, and I would have muscles that were cramping, pulling together, um, and just like a deep, deep ache that was something I didn't understand. There was no position I could get into that would be comfortable, and it would get worse with uh, walking or like going to school, and I remember teachers accusing me of, of wanting to get out of a test, for example, if I said, you know, I'm just in so much pain, I need to go home. And did that happen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not being believed. How about your parents? Uh, did, did they believe you? My parents did believe me. I'm really glad to hear that because a lot of my patients with pain, not only from EDS, but from other conditions, will often report that their pain is invisible and that nobody believes them. Maggie, has EDS caused a lot of fear? Yes. When you dislocate your knee and you're 12 years old and all you were doing was walking across the living room, you're kind of wondering, oh, did my knee bend too far? Is this going to happen again? Am I ever going to be walk, be able to walk again? Plus, the pain is excruciating. And the first time that it happens, the pain is almost amplified because of not experiencing it before and being fearful of not knowing what's going on. What eventually led you to a doctor? Was there a particular incident that occurred? After I had the first knee dislocation, I was taken to the emergency room, and they put it back together and said, oh, you know, this happens sometimes, kids with growing pains, don't worry about it, and uh, saw the orthopedist who was on call. Then it happened two more times with the the same knee and one of my shoulders. And on the third visit, because it was the same orthopedist on call, he said to my mom, uh, I think I know what's going on. I need to rule out some stuff, so I'm going to make some appointments for you to come back and do some follow-up with me. Um, as it turns out, that particular orthopedist also had Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, so he recognized it. He said, okay, you have this thing that nobody knows how to pronounce, let alone what it is. <laughs> and he said, so, you know, you're just going to have to tell people you have loose joints and a lot of pain and you have to be very careful about what you do. Um, and he also said, as your doctor, I have to tell you, you can't do all of these things. And he literally had a typed out list of 300 and something things, including um, soccer and sports and skiing and tennis. We have to take a break, but I remember you mentioning that the orthopedist said something that really made a difference in your life. And I'll ask you about that when we return from our break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Welcome back. 
we're speaking with Maggie Buckley about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or EDS. Maggie, you mentioned that when you were diagnosed, the orthopedist said something to you that really made a difference. What was that? He also, very wisely, did something that I am forever grateful for. And he took off his white doctor's coat and put that aside. And he sat down next to me and he said, as somebody who has this, which was like the greatest gift, because all of a sudden I was not the only person in the world with this weird thing. As somebody somebody who has this, I can tell you that only you know what your body can do at any given time and it will change. So your job needs to be to, to get to know your body and to strengthen it in any way that you can. It sounds like that was really valuable advice. Maggie, you know, how did you feel when the orthopedist gave you that list of 300 things that you simply couldn't do? I broke down in tears because I had just begun that summer playing soccer with a casual team, and I had been snow skiing since I was three years old, and I had convinced my parents that that upcoming winter they are going to let me take a ski racing lesson. So it was like all my all my plans and dreams just completely gone. And yet you were able to overcome some of these limitations. Uh, and were your parents helpful? My parents took a different approach, though. They, they said, well, you know, nothing's, nothing's black and white here. And if you feel like you're up for it, then you can do it. And if you feel any pain or discomfort, then you have to stop. You have to speak up and you can't be can't be shy about that. So I was able to uh, go skiing with my family, enjoy um, free skiing, and continue doing that, which I did until I was 33, so another 20 years. That's good news. Maggie, let's talk about how you manage your pain. And first, has your pain profile or, or pain intensity changed over time? It hasn't necessarily improved or worsened. The nature of the pain has gotten different. The location of the pain has gotten different. And my attitude towards the pain has evolved. And and I've learned more about all the different ways that pain can be managed as, as opposed to surgical or just prescription medication. And I want to learn about all those ways that you've been able to manage pain. Before that, can you tell us where your pain is located today? My shoulders don't hurt so much. I do. My feet feel like instead of slippers or shoes, I pulled on a little bag of gravel on each foot. Walking feels like I'm on a boat that's sort of listing back and forth, and there's a, a wind going. My back, and I have a lot of neuropathy, a lot of nerve pain as a result of arthritis and damage to my spine. I have uh, shoulder and arm issues. A lot of uh, feels like electrical pulses, and I have. Uh, tremendous problem with sciatica pain. And tell us, how do you control the discomfort? I focus on posture and alignment to give me better balance or at least a better sense of balance. I do meditation several times a day. I use heat and ice all the time. I also visit an acupuncturist. I have a massage therapist. I also have a massage chair, a foot massage machine. The most cost-effective way of dealing with a lot of aches over the whole body is just to take a bath with Epsom salts. That's an extensive list of alternative treatments that you use. But when we come back, I'd like to learn about the more traditional treatments, things like medicines or nerve blocks, and how effective they have been. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Pentech Health one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies, dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. 
To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Maggie, which medicines or nerve blocks have you found the most beneficial? Uh, yeah, time-release morphine prescriptions. Those are the best things that help me manage the pain so that I could participate in life. What's different about acute injuries in people with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome? Uh, those acute injuries take a lot longer to recover from, and it's usually a dislocation, and it can take uh, six months to two years to get back to a point where I can walk on that foot. That's a surprisingly long time. And Maggie, in closing, how can anybody with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome overcome their pain? I think understanding the mechanics of the body and how it works and comes together. And then the second step is getting to know your own body, how, what works, what makes it feel better, and learning your own limits. It's, it's surprising sometimes what feels better. For a long period of my life, riding a bike felt great. And, and being able to ride a bike and go out and be in the world and see things and participate made me not feel isolated. And with that, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you very much. My next guest is Dr. Claire Francomano, Director of Adult Genetics at the Harvey Institute of Human Genetics at the Greater Baltimore Medical Center. She's an associate professor in the Department of Medicine at Johns Hopkins and is the former clinical director of the National Human Genome Research Institute. Today, she focuses her clinical time seeing patients with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Dr. Francomano, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. Tell us about the genetics of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Well, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is a hereditary disorder of connective tissue, and there are several different types, but the most common types are the classical hypermobile, and vascular types. All three of those are inherited in what we call an autosomal dominant fashion, which means that if you have the condition, then your children have a 50-50 chance of inheriting it. And Claire, how common is pain? Chronic pain is a very common finding in patients with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, But there are many people who have joint hypermobility who do not have chronic pain. And one of the really interesting questions that we don't have a good answer to is why some people develop the chronic pain and others don't. Exactly. And I'm also curious as to whether people can inherit the chronic pain component of EDS from their parents. That's really interesting. Within families with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, often we see parents who've never had a problem and then kids who get into a lot of trouble or vice versa. What kind of symptoms do people with EDS typically have? It really runs a gamut. So we can have people who are completely asymptomatic. Sometimes somebody will be referred in to me because a relative was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and um, their parents are concerned that maybe they have it, so they're bringing them in for an evaluation and they might be completely fine. On the other end of the spectrum, I have patients who are so severely disabled by pain and symptoms of autonomic dysfunction and sleep disturbances that they just literally are unable to function. And those patients have total body pain, they have a lot of uh, muscle pain, joint pain, chest pain, back pain, neck pain chronic severe headaches and organ system involvement involving the gastrointestinal tract. Often they have urinary symptoms, so it can be really wide-ranging and extremely disabling. Exactly. I've seen patients just like that. Dr. Francomano, talk to us about the dislocations and subluxations, which are partial dislocations that often occur in the joints of people with EDS. 
Many patients with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome do have problems with chronic subluxation and dislocations of their joints. Often people will say they have problems with their hips, which kind of pop out when they're walking. The shoulders can often be problematic. I had one patient this week who just said that her fingers just were constantly popping in and out and causing really severe pain in her hands. Claire, in your experience, How many people have pain from the dislocations, relocations, and subluxations? There are some patients who don't experience any pain associated with it, and generally that would be the subluxations. If people have a frank dislocation of their joint, I I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that they didn't experience pain as a result of that. But a lot of my patients have just this incredible ankle flexibility. They jump up and land on the side of their foot, completely sublux their ankle, and not have any pain at all. Wow, that's incredible. You know, Claire, some feel that Harold Houdini, the famous escape artist, probably had Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. What do you think? I can imagine that it would explain a lot in terms of his being able to get in and out of those really tight spots. I actually think probably most of the people in Cirque du Soleil have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. It seems likely, given how they can contort their extremities, their whole body even, in ways that most of us cannot. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Frank Amano about how Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is diagnosed. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. And we're back, speaking with Dr. Claire Francomano about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Uh, Claire, how is EDS diagnosed? It's a clinical diagnosis for the most part because um, as of right now, uh, for the classical type, we know that uh, about half the people who have the classical type of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome will have alterations in one of two genes, the type 5 collagen genes. So we can test for those, but the other half of the people, we don't know the gene that causes it, and so we're really depending on our clinical diagnosis. If I suspect the vascular type of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, we do do genetic testing because most people with the vascular type, you'll be able to find an alteration in the gene that encodes type 3 collagen. We call that gene COL3, C-O-L-3-A1. If we suspect the vascular type of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, we'll test for a mutation in COL3-A1. What happens in our bodies when collagen is flawed? Well, collagen is the essential structural molecule of so many elements of our body. It's the essential structural element of the connective tissue, which is in virtually every organ system. Tendons and ligaments are made up almost entirely of connective tissue. So when the connective tissue is is weak, the tendons and ligaments are weak, and they are not able to stabilize the joints in the way that they're meant to. EDS seems to cause progressive deterioration of joints from the multiple dislocations and subluxations and relocations. So, Dr. Francomano, what do you recommend to your patients to help prevent this from occurring? I always tell my patients it's very important for them to stay active, but it's very important to avoid the high-impact activities, swimming and bicycling or outstanding activities because they're very low impact. 
So if people can build an active lifestyle around those low-impact activities, that will serve them very well for the future. I have patients with EDS who describe different types of pain. What is your experience? Either muscular myofascial pain or what we call neuropathic pain. Typically, the neuropathic pain is the pain that we, you know, we describe as shooting, burning, electrical, and the musculoskeletal pain is more likely to be more achy, kind of chronic. Moving on to treatments, Claire, which therapies are the most effective? And let's start with the alternative complementary treatments first. I encourage people to find a physical therapist who will do deep heat, ultrasound, massage, the use of something called a TENS machine, which is electrical nerve stimulation, to get the muscles to relax because so much of the pain that people experience with EDS has to do with muscle spasm. The treatment of myofascial pain through the use of myofascial trigger point release, I encourage my patients to just do myofascial trigger point therapy and put in their zip code in Google and see if they can find somebody locally who knows how to do that. How about botulinum toxin or Botox for the muscle spasms? Well, I have had patients who've used Botox, particularly for um, really bad muscle spasm involving the occiput and the, cr- and the muscles over the top of the head. You know, sometimes if they're having really disabling uh, chronic headaches related to that kind of muscle spasm, Botox can be very helpful. Something else that's really useful is, uh, and it's an old-fashioned remedy, but many people swear by it, is the use of Epsom salts. They're, they're magnesium salts, and they really help with muscle relaxation. I know also from our conversation earlier that you feel that acupuncture can be extremely helpful in some patients and that you send many patients for cognitive behavioral therapy to help them cope and achieve mastery over their pain. Uh, Claire, let's focus on the more traditional treatments now that you've found to be most beneficial. Muscle relaxants can be very helpful. Many of my patients don't get enough sleep. When people don't get enough sleep, their pain is worse. Meloxicam and the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories can be helpful, although in general, they're not so much. For people who are having obvious nerve pain, I think gabapentin and pregabalin can be very useful. I have been working with a compounding pharmacist who makes a compound of diclofenac, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, two different muscle relaxants, gabapentin, which helps with nerve pain, lidocaine, which is a local anesthetic, and magnesium. And this compounded cream has been extremely helpful to many of my patients. There are some patients who just cannot function without the opioid, but if people are not able to function and they can function with the opioid medication, I think we have to prescribe it. I agree. And finally, Claire, what message of hope do you have for those suffering from Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and pain? There are several groups that are looking really hard for, to try to identify the gene or genes that uh, underlie these conditions. And I really think with the pace of gene discovery that's going on right now that it would be very surprising if we didn't know those genes within the next five years or so. I always tell my patients when they come that there are many, many modalities out there that it can help them feel better and be more functional. And the goal is to try to find maybe five or six different things that will get them 10 to 15% better each. Then they can really regain function and regain a sense of wellness and a sense of getting their life back. Dr. Frank Amano, thanks so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. My pleasure. Thank you so much. 
Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on Aches and Gains. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.